Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going through the Lord's Prayer verse by verse today and verse 13. Here's the key concept for today. We should pray that we avoid temptation and evil. Pray that we avoid temptation and evil. We're going to bring the lights up, right, so these people can see their Bibles. Right up we come with the lights. I have magical power. Okay, good, very good. All right. Today we're talking about something that most of us don't like talking about. We try to pretend that it's not real in our lives, and that is the struggle with temptation. Oscar Wilde is famous for saying, I can resist anything except temptation. (laughs) And I remember I heard once about a Bible study. It was a ladies' Bible study, but in the study they were studying this section of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, and it came to this verse. And the subject was temptation, and one of the ladies simply said this, when I feel temptation, I just sin and get it over with. (laughs) Very honest in that moment, but not the way that we are intended to live. It is the case, however, that oftentimes temptation feels like a rushing river that's carrying us along at its tide. And for some of us, maybe we've been riding those waves so often we come to believe that I'm never getting any better. I'm never going to get over this. This is just the way I am. I might as well get used to it, give in to it, and be carried along. But Jesus says, pray that you can escape that rushing current of temptation. Pray that you can pull yourself out by the power of God working in your life. And he says it this way, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is a struggle that we're all in. You simply can't walk with Christ without having a fight against temptation on your hands. As a matter of fact, everybody is tempted, Christian and non-Christian alike. We, We feel that temptation. But we believers in Jesus Christ uniquely understand the stakes in the struggle, this better, more joyful life that we will have if only we follow the Lord's way. Now, if we review this prayer so far, what we've learned is some things about God, and we've learned some things about ourselves. About God, we've learned that He is our Heavenly Father. We've learned that He is holy. We need to reverence Him. We've learned that He is King, and we need to obey Him and seek His will. About ourselves, we've learned that we are dependent upon God, even for the most basic of needs. We've learned that we are fallen and we can look to God for forgiveness and He will forgive. And since He forgives, we've learned that we are called to forgive one another. And so today, we learn some more about God and some more about ourselves. We learn We need God's protection in the struggle against temptation, and we learn that He is willing to be our protector, and He realizes temptation comes. It comes to all of us. Maybe the morally loose co-worker in your office who somehow has you in their sights. We need protection from that. We need protection from the slimy business deals where money is both the drug and the god of choice. We need protection from Hollywood's version of dating where three seconds of eye contact and we cut to the bedroom scene. We need protection from the get-rich-quick, cut-the-corners, rules-don't-apply arrogance that is marketed to us today as self-actualization. 
We need protection from the you are your own God and can establish your own truth relativism of our elites today. Protection is uh, temptation is deception, but it is the currency of our society, and it is a river that will carry you along if you allow it to. But it is bringing us to that which is shallow and weak and temporary, unsatisfying, and illusion. And it will bring you away from the stability of a life lived for God. But each of us carries a proneness to say yes to temptation. It's because of the sin nature that we struggle against and the fact of sin in our lives. Galatians 5 puts it this way, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. In other words, left to ourselves, even though we know better, we will choose that which will hurt us. It's a struggle that's all around us, and it creeps into the human heart. And it's a struggle for each of us, not because of our lousy upbringing, not because our circumstances aren't just right or our life isn't perfect. It's a struggle because it's a struggle on a spiritual level. Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus reminds us you are in a battle, and in the battle, He says, you must pray. Pray against the assault. And this portion of the Lord's Prayer is a parallel. He's basically saying the same thing twice. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's saying the same thing both negatively and positively. And what he's asking is, protect us. In a world filled with temptation, God, protect us. Negatively, by not leading us into temptation. Positively, by acting in our lives to deliver us when temptation comes. There's a little bit of a question that comes to our mind when we read this prayer. It's a little bit perplexing because temptation is trying to get someone to do evil, right? It doesn't make sense, however, to ask God not to do that since it is against His character and, and it is against His Word. God's not going to lead us into temptation. James 1 verse 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. So right away we're perplexed. Why do I have to pray and remind God not to do something that He promises He won't do? But the fact is that there are some wider meanings to the word that's translated temptation here in this passage. It's capable of a wider sense. It can also mean test. It can also mean trial. And God wants us to pass the tests of life when they come. So the idea here is there are testing times that come our way. But we're praying that when the testing times come our way, we don't fail the test. Temp, te tempt, test, trial could all be translations of this word. When difficulty comes in our life, situations of hardship or whatever, there's a possibility of a sinful reaction, isn't there? Satan wants that sinful reaction. Maybe it's overt rebellion. Satan wants that in your life. Or maybe it's just being overwhelmed with selfish self-pity. Or maybe an explosive anger. All these things are the result that Satan wants. Jesus is asking us to pray, God, don't let me be tempted to the point where I can't 
bear up under it. Enable me to see the test and pass the test for what it is. Let's use the imagery of fishing for a moment. When you go fishing, what you don't do is go to the bait shop and buy bait, go to the boat rental place and rent a boat, go out into the lake, and then start scattering the bait on the lake. You don't do that because you're not there to feed the fish. You're there to catch the fish, right? So you put a hook in that bait, and you put that bait over the side of that, uh, side of that boat there into the lake, and as you do that, you have a silent hope in your heart. And the hope is that you are smarter than that fish, right? But if he's a smart fish, an experienced fish, if he's a fish that's seen some of his, some of his fishy friends get caught before, and maybe himself have almost been, been at the point of getting caught, that fish is going to be strengthened through those experiences and have a resistance to the bait that you've thrown overboard. Now, Satan is fishing for you, and he's hoping that as he throws the bait over, you forget there's a hook in there. But, he wa- but God wants you to pass that test. The prompting to do evil does not come from God. But he realizes we live in a world that stu- where stuff like this happens. And as we navigate the ups and downs of life, we are praying, God, protect us. God, keep me smart. Keep me alert. Keep me aware. Keep me sensitive to the hook that Satan presents. And God promises that he will do that. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That is a verse worth memorizing, a verse worth keeping in mind. Because Satan always lies. He is a deceiver. And the first lie at the point of temptation is this is okay for you, you are unique. You're special. This is the way you're wired. In fact, this is who you are. Just go ahead because it's fine for you. You are uniquely tempted in this area. Nobody else really feels this temptation as strongly as you do, so for you it's okay. That's Satan's first lie. And then when we give in to temptation, he, w- he brings out his second lie. You're doomed. You can never be forgiven. You can never get past it. You'll never get over it. You might as well give in to it. Just adopt this sin as your identity. And he's lying like that all around us. Here Jesus is reminding us that finding a way out, the way out that God provides as temptation presents itself, the way out is found in prayer. It involves prayer. See, God knows that these tests will come. And He wants us to pass the test and so be strengthened and so our our faith be fortified. Back in Matthew chapter 4, you'll read about Jesus Himself being tempted. And He passed the test in the wilderness. The Spirit led Him out to pass that test. And as Jesus was tempted but yet without sin, He was able to find the blessing that God had and His place and His role in ministry. See, Jesus is not saying, remember that temptation I had in the wilderness? Well, God was wrong to put me through that, so pray that He doesn't make the same mistake in your life. That's not what He's saying. 
He realizes that the testing times come. Pray that you will find God's way out. Pray that you will pass the test. And when we do, we are strengthened. James 1 puts it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And we read that verse and we often think of, and rightly, sufferings in life, tragedies in life, the griefs of life as the trials that he's talking about. But it might interest you to know that the word trials in verse 1 there of James is the exact same Greek word that Jesus uses here, or that's, uh, that, that Matthew writes from Jesus' words here in the Lord's Prayer. Here is translated temptation. Temptation. In the rough and tumble life that we live, as you navigate in a world where Satan is trying to get you to fall, remember this always. Temptation is not sin. It is not equal to sin. Christ was tempted yet did not sin. But temptation turns into sin when we bite down on the hook. Later on in the chapter, James puts it this way, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. That's the process, the slippery slope that we are praying against here. The responsibility for sin is our own. God does not bring sin into our life. In fact, in the testing times, he's saying, I want you to find the victory. I want you to be strong. So the first part of this parallel says, lead us not, but it has a positive intention, protect us when temptation comes. The second phrase of the prayer has that same intention, but just states it in reverse. Deliver us from the evil one. Protect us from his tactics. And this is exactly what Jesus has in mind for his followers. This is what Jesus prays for up in the upper room for his closest followers. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. It's a dependent prayer. We are dependent upon the Lord. When I pray this prayer, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I am proclaiming, Lord, I see you as the final authority in my life. And I see you as able to set boundaries. As a matter of fact, I depend on you to set boundaries because I know that the boundaries that you set are boundaries that are established out of love. And I understand that I'm unable to stay within those loving boundaries without your help. I am tempted to stray beyond where I should be. I don't have the resources and I don't have the power to deliver myself from evil. I need a power greater than myself, and I know, God, that that's you. So be the power in my life to do that. See, part of the blessing of praying this prayer is it keeps us from the disastrous pride that says, well, I can go it alone. I can do it through willpower. I can just grit my teeth and bear up under it, and I will not fall. Without God, you will. Deliver us. We need to depend on God to face the things we faith, face. And remember, God is still God. God is still able. God is still near. God is still present, and He's able to deliver. I depend on you, God. And by depend on you, I mean I need to be led by you, your way. And this is a prayer for deliverance. Because all of us face those times 
whether we like to talk about it or not. In Ephesians 2, verse 2, Paul refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. What does he mean by that? He means this, for a little while in the light of eternity, God has granted Satan the power to influence what goes on around us. He does by establishing worldly value systems. He does by making the spirit of the times a spirit that leaves out God, the philosophies of the world that leave out our responsibility to our maker. And Satan has a sphere of influence. It is limited, it is temporary, but it is real, and it is now. We like to say God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true. Say this, Satan hates you and has a horrible, hateful plan for your life. But his power is fleeting. His efforts are futile. Ultimately, victory is assured for the glory of God. But right now, where we live, when we live, the prince of the power of the air is exercising his power. He wants to lead us to temptation. But God, we pray, deliver us. And as we do that, God delivers us by reminding us of our weakness, reminding us of our need for Him by providing a way out and equipping us to look for that way out. But He says, look, and part of that is prayer. In the battle, He gives us weapons, doesn't He? Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God, but one of, those, one of those defensive weapons is the shield of faith. Ephesians 6, 16, take up the shield of faith which, which you extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can see the temptations that come into your life as a flaming arrow. And when we do that, it will remind us, my faith is stronger here. The shield defends us. Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, all those promises that God has made me, all those assurances that God has given me, I know for sure that they are real. I know for sure that better is coming. I know for sure that God is able to help me. I know for sure that He wants to bless me. I know for sure that if I call out to Him, He will be my protector. That's the shield of faith. Arrows come in many forms. Disappointment, pain, sadness, and temptation. The overt invitation to rebel against the boundaries that God has sent. And we need to pick up our shield and be a shield for one another in the battle we face. But we are reminded that there is responsibility to fight the battle. We are reminded that we need a strategy to defeat the enemy Jesus is telling us here, part of that strategy is prayer. Part of that strategy is calling on the Lord. But there are other elements to that strategy as well, right? Maybe that strategy is knowing when you're weak. Knowing who you are with when you're weak. Knowing who influence you, influences you toward the Lord and who influences you away from the Lord. It may mean avoiding certain places where you need not to go. If you're addicted to alcohol, you don't go into the corner bar for a hamburger. Stay out of that place. You don't go in and say, well, I'll just see what happens. No, no. There are other places for that. Sometimes the strategy is to flee. Always the strategy is to stay away from the edge of the boundaries of life because God has set those boundaries out of love and He wants what is best for us. You see, here, here's what happens. This is a question that comes up all the time. The question is, when does something become sin? 
I mean, I know it's questionable. I know it's an issue, you know, but when, it, when is it crossing the line to sin? Could be a problem, but when is it sin? Take sex. In every youth group, the question comes up all the time. When has it become sin? Is kissing a sin? Is French kissing a sin? Is it a sin to take just half of my clothes off and jump into the back seat without actually doing it? Is that a sin? How close to the boundary can I come without crossing the boundary? That question is asked in all kinds of areas of life, by all kinds of ages of individuals. Where's the boundary? How close can I come? My point to you is this, that it's fundamentally the wrong question. Fundamentally, Jesus' point here is this. Stay as far away from the boundaries as you can. Avoiding ungodliness means running toward godliness. And when you're running toward godliness, the boundaries will be at your back. The boundaries will be in your rearview mirror behind you. And that's where we need to be. Praying this prayer is part of the work of the strategy that we all need in the battle against sin. Because remember this, the intention not to fall to temptation is not the same as the power to be pure. The power comes from God. We need to enlist Him in the struggle, and you can depend on Him. Testing times come, but He wants you to pass the test. And one of those tests is, how do you face temptation? You have the power to find a way out because of God's presence in your life. He will be able to show you the way. Look to Him and you'll find that strength. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning, from your word, we are reminded of the truth of that song we sang. Our life is better if we would just follow you. Lord, we pray that you would make us sensitive to Satan's lies. Help us to be clear about his deception. We pray that we are able to not get close to the boundaries, but to run toward godliness, and as we do, to feel your pleasure. So give us that kind of stability and strength, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.